Welcome to Let's Review RN. My name is Bryn O'Donnell, and I'm a certified adult and geriatric nurse practitioner. I work as a cardiology APN and function as a visiting professor and clinical instructor for a BSN program. This is an independent production by myself, and I am not representing any educational institution. My goal is to deliver a condensed but robust review on topics primarily discussed in Adult Health 1 and 2 and some pieces of pharmacology of a bachelor degree nursing program. Over the years, I've learned that students have an immense amount of confusion and questions when they leave didactic, which makes applying what they are learning nearly impossible to the clinical setting. I want to break down the basics so that you can continue to build upon your knowledge and put the pieces together. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Let's Review RN. Today, I'm going to review the phases of acute kidney injury, and at the end, we'll look at some nursing board questions or NCLEX questions and how they can tie this information into those questions and how to dig through and eliminate answers given to get you to the correct answer. There are many different causes of acute kidney injury, and they can be classified in relation to where the injury is located whether that be pre-renal, meaning a condition in which the kidney dysfunction has occurred because of inadequate blood flow to the kidneys, which reduces the function due to lack of blood and oxygen perfusion to the kidneys. This can occur for many different reasons. A few examples may be hypotension or low blood pressure, fluid loss through vomiting and diarrhea, even fluid overload like what happens in heart failure or severe burns. Intrarenal, meaning a condition which kidney dysfunction has occurred because of direct injury to the kidney itself can occur from things like a severe life-threatening infection like sepsis, conditions causing inflammation or damage to the kidney tubules, which may result in tubular necrosis, glomerular nephritis, or vasculitis, or even diseases such as scleroderma that affect the connective tissue and then can lead to kidney damage. Post-renal can result in acute kidney injury by blocking the passage of urine out of the body. Post-renal causes of acute kidney injury can be from things like enlarged prostate, also known as BPH or benign prosthetic hyperplasia, kidney stones, a blood clot in the urinary tract, or tumors, which prevent the outward flow of urine, resulting in backstream pressure to the kidneys itself. Let's review for a minute why preventing the kidneys from doing their job is so hazardous to the body and how it affects the homeostasis and what kidneys should actually be doing. Within the kidneys, filtration, reabsorption, secretion, and excretion occurs. The main focus of the kidneys is to filter the blood to remove waste products and keep the amount of water in the body consistent. Any unneeded waste products or excess fluid is what forms our urine. The kidneys are responsible for secreting a multitude of essential hormones, which aid in regulating our blood pressure, neutralizing our acid-base ratio, stimulating red blood cell production from our bone marrow, and activating vitamin D. The kidneys remove nitrogenous waste from the body, such as creatinine, urea, and ammonia, and hold on to the essential substance that the body needs to function. The kidneys also produce a hormone called erythropoietin that stimulates production of red blood cells. To rewind a minute, the liver metabolizes dietary proteins to produce energy, and with this metabolism comes the production of toxic ammonia as a waste product. The liver is able to convert most of this ammonia into uric acid and urea, which are less toxic to the body. 
Meanwhile, the muscles of our body produce the waste product creatinine as it utilizes energy. Ammonia, uric acid, urea, and creatinine all accumulate in the body over time and need to be removed from the circulation to maintain homeostasis. This is why normal function of the kidneys is so important. Our bodies are so largely affected by the buildup of waste products and excess fluid, and therefore we can so quickly be affected by damage to blood flow to the kidneys, which is pre-renal, damage to the kidneys itself, intrarenal, or disruption in excreting urine, which is post-renal. Now let's review and talk about the stages of acute kidney injury. So you've got the onset or the initial phase, and that's when... The, the, the common or the, the injury happens. So it's the triggering event, whether that's significant blood loss, burns, fluid loss, uh, diabetes insipidus happens. Um, you've got some sort of infection going on. You've got now a tumor causing um, post-renal uh, obstruction. Now it's causing this backward pressure and affecting the kidney filtration. So that's the onset or the initial or initiating phase. So as we move into the next phase of acute kidney injury, we're talking about the oliguric phase. This is when the GFR is affected. It's reduced due to injury and the kidneys are not filtering appropriately. So you'll see an increase in BUN and creatinine retention as well as electrolyte imbalance, including hyperkalemia, hypermagnesemia, hyperphosphatemia, and you'll even see hypocalcemia. Patients can become confused as a side effect of this azotemia. Urine output drops below 400 milliliters per day due to the lack of function caused by the injury. And because they are putting out so little urine and retaining fluid, the urine they do excrete is very concentrated, meaning it's going to have a high urine-specific gravity. Next, the diuretic phase is when acute kidney injury has been corrected, and now the kidneys are starting to pick up and make up for lost time. The glomerulus is kicking back into gear, and the GFR starts to increase. The patients can put out three to six liters of urine in a day when in the diuretic phase. And just like with any diuresis due to diuretics, the BUN and creatinine start to correct themselves, but they are not completely normal. The diuretic phase also results in osmotic diuresis due to high volumes of urea being excreted, so fluid will follow. The urine-specific gravity is low, meaning the urine will be diluted because of the high amounts of water being excreted. Patients can experience hypotension due to this fluid loss. Electrolyte imbalances can be corrected or even swing the opposite way, and you can see hypokalemia due to the excessive excretion of potassium. The recovery stage is when the urine output is normal, so about 1 to 2 liters per day. The GFR will return to a normal range for that patient, along with electrolytes and BUN and creatinine will return to the normal range as well. Next, we're going to work through a few NCLEX or nursing board exam questions that I've seen that are related to the phases of acute kidney injury. So this will give you an idea of what to expect and really how to narrow in on the question, the answers, and how to eliminate things that just simply don't make sense. So for instance, the first question is, when caring for a patient during the oligarch phase of acute kidney injury, what would be an appropriate nursing intervention? A, weigh the patient twice weekly. B, increase dietary sodium and potassium. C, provide a low-protein, high-carbohydrate diet 
or D, restrict fluids according to the previous day's fluid loss? In this question, we can quickly eliminate a few answers. We know that with fluid volume shifts, we would be weighing our patients daily. So A, weighing the patient twice weekly is easily eliminated. We can also eliminate B, which states to increase dietary potassium and sodium because we know that these patients have electrolyte imbalances and already have a high risk of hyperkalemia due to poor GFR and excretion. The answer is D, restrict fluids according to the previous day's fluid loss. And to address answer C, the diet needs to provide adequate, not low protein intake to prevent catabolism. The next question I found is, which assessment finding is commonly found in the oligarch phase of acute kidney injury? A, hypotension, B, hyperkalemia, C, hypernatremia, and D, thrombocytopenia. The answer is B, hyperkalemia. In acute kidney injury, the serum potassium levels increase because the normal ability of the kidneys to excrete potassium is impaired in the oligaric phase. Sodium levels are typically normal or diminished due to being diluted out by excess fluid volume due to that decreased urine output. Thrombocytopenia is not a direct side effect of acute kidney injury, although altered platelet functions may occur with acute kidney injury. A third question I found is, the patient was admitted to the intensive care unit after suffering severe burns and has been diagnosed with acute kidney injury. Which finding indicates the onset of the oliguria phase resulting from acute kidney injury? Urine output less than 1,500 milliliters per, the, per day? Urine output less than 700 milliliters per day? urine output less than 600 milliliters per day, or urine output less than 400 milliliters per day? The answer is urine output less than 400 milliliters, which describes the initiation of the oliguric phase for patients with acute kidney injury. Let's explore one last question. Which assessment finding is commonly found in the diuretic phase of the acute kidney injury? A, confusion. B, hyperkalemia, C, hypotension, or D, normal urine-specific gravity? The answer is C, hypotension due to fluid volume loss through diuresis. We also know that confusion is a side effect of azotemia in the oliguric phase, hyperkalemia also occurs in the oliguric phase, and lastly, normal specific gravity or normal urine-specific gravity occurs as the full recovery is made and urine output returns to normal. So this is part of the recovery stage. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode of Let's Review RN. Remember, you can always find me on Instagram or at Facebook at Let's Review RN. And you can always email me if you have questions or requests for the podcast at letsreviewrn at gmail.com. And as always, if you really enjoyed this podcast, I always recommend that you rate and review it because that helps bring attention to other listeners who may want to come and learn with us. This podcast is for general information review purposes only. It does not constitute the practice of medicine or nursing. The use of this information or any materials provided by Let's Review RN are at the user's own risk. This content is not intended to be a substitute for educational teachings through students' educational institutes or organizations.